Rising Nights, y'all. That's right, Wolfman's back. Not that anybody asked him to return. Hey guys, what's going on? So this week's episode is another one of those like 20 minute ones where I'm just talking to a microphone because I failed to book anyone on the show because now wait for it, wait for it, wait for it, wait for it. I have been moving and the one person that I did, we our schedules turned out I didn't work out. It didn't work out because um, of Comic-Con. I'm going to New York Comic-Con this week and, and so that ruined everything. So thanks a lot, Comic-Con. Um, but the next week we should, next episode should be her and I'm very excited and I'm very upset because I've been trying to get her on for months now and I, I hate that I haven't. So, um, yeah, but I've been moving, moving around. I've moved my entire life into, uh, I've evolved into a corporeal being of pure energy and the only reason you can listen to this is because you've updated your iOS or Android device. Um, no. Um. <laughs> oh, that's another reason. I'm sick. I'm ill, and I just completed a show. There's so many reasons that this didn't get done, and I just... I I want to apologize, and I want to thank you for tuning in, even though it's just me talking. If you've made it this far, it's only a minute long. I'm not going to be taking much of your time. Basically, this I want to just be like, you know... Um, explaining what happened. Um, so yeah, Miles and I got into uh, a lovely two-bedroom in Brooklyn, and it's very domestic and very cute. Everyone's jealous of us. Maybe not. I don't know. Um, I don't pretend to speak for the people. Only the trees, for I am the Lorax. Unless. But anyway... Um, so I thought I'd just kind of blab in general about health and things I, I've come to think and do maybe some material as well. Um, but yeah, I, and one of the main topics that keeps coming up in a lot of, okay, <laughs> let me just fucking, this is a train wreck. Uh, let me mute my computer. Um, but, uh, a lot, a topic that keeps coming up, that keeps coming up, is social anxiety and how to deal with it, and uh, there are many ways, and a lot of it is, um, I'm actually gonna just grab something real quick here, one moment. Doop 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 doop. California dreaming on such a wind on a winter's day. I'll be safe and I'll be safe and warm if I wasn't, if I wasn't, if I wasn't L.A. Calif- Okay, so, um, basically, I'm reading off a list, and it's, uh, a thing from cognitive behavior therapy. Um, this is a technique, and, like, this is coming back to social anxiety, but it's part of it. It's part of the anxiety-ness, which is not good! This anxiety! Huh? Okay, um, my, my monitor hates me right now, my, my sound monitor, that gate is killing me. So, um, in cognitive, cognitive behavioral therapy, and I'm by no means a therapist, and I'm just passing along things that I've done that have worked for me, um, obviously, go to a licensed person. Please, for the love of God, don't just listen to this podcast and hope things work out for the best for you, because that is not the way to go. Um, I, I am arrogant enough to think that I can help everyone, but this is, I cannot help you. 
um, go to a licensed professional, please. Um, but I'll get to this thing. Okay, so it's a categories of distorted automatic thinking. Automatic, rather. Category, let's take that again. Okay. Categories of distorted automatic... Well, shit. Categories of distorted automatic thoughts. A guide for patience. I like how we give the man with logorrhea and verbal dyslexia a microphone and a small but devoted audience. But anyway, um, I'm going to list you 17 things. And this is, comes from, a, um, from Treatment Plans and Interventions for Depression and Anxiety Disorder by Robert L. Leahy and Stephen J. Holland. Copyright 2000 by Robert and Stephen, respectively. Permission to photocopy this form is granted to the purchasers of this book and personal use only. Um, so I'm probably breaking a copyright law, but um, it's for the betterment of mankind, hopefully. And womankind. Um, humankind. Humankind? Personkind? Anyway, number one, I'm a girl in world. in the world... Anyway, no, sorry, that's Hamilton. Um, number one, mind reading. You assume someone, you assume that you know what people are, think without having sufficient evidence of their thoughts. For example, he thinks I'm a loser. So, assuming, essentially. I, I'm glad I stumbled across this. This is, this will be good. Um, and this one happens to me a lot because, you know, anxiety and it's paranoia and it's um, hyperactive mind. And it's, it happens, I think, to a lot of normies too where they kind of think they know what the other person's thinking and they can kind of tell and that sort of thing and it is like a it's a difficult thing to get over um and when you do think that you you have to remind yourself um and what i do is uh i remind myself that you it's physically impossible for you to know what another person's thinking number one unless you're gene gray or charles xavier um, I'm looking for hope, Eric. Um, but uh, it's impossible to know what another person is thinking unless you're me, Charles Xavier. So what I like to do is remind people, myself rather, in my mind, I like to think there's no way you can know what they're thinking. And the way I also uh, sit down and I think um, that is by reminding myself that I think so many awful, awful things, or wonderful things, and I don't express them, and they don't come across at all. So, know that. Number two, fortune-telling. You predict the future negatively. Things could get worse, or there's a danger ahead. I'll fail that exam. I won't get that job, etc., etc. Um, this is the what's fascinating about this one is it's the concept of despair, which is a sin in the Catholic Church for the reason because it is the audacity to presume that you know more than God. In as much as despair is certainty that an outcome will happen, and that's why it is blasphemous. Um, that's what I say to myself when it's like. You never know. Like, there's no way. There's no way you could be dead by then. Like, to be the extreme example is that. But yeah, um, so that's how I deal with that. Catastrophizing. Man, I wish I would have worn my glasses for this thing. 
I didn't know I was going to do it until just now. So um, you believe that what has happened or will happen will be so awful and unbearable that you won't be able to stand it. It'd be terrible if I failed. I'm never going to fit into that dress and they're going to mock me. I know I have that one a lot. Um, generally, exposure therapy is good for this one. Just doing it anyway. And specifically, if you can have like a good friend reassure you that it's not the end of the world and it's okay. you know, And putting things into perspective. Because most of the time, if you just take a moment and go, well, is this a matter of life or death? And unless it is... It's not that important. Like, your life is important and taking charge of it and agency over it, but, like, going to work isn't going to be the worst thing in the world. It's just going to be another day. Labeling. You assign global negative traits to yourself and others. I'm undesirable, or he's a rotten person. You, that's your mind being a dick. Your mind's being a dick, and you got to just calm it down. you got to calm down your dick mind. Which was the name of my rock band in high school. Dick Mind. And our first cover is I Want to Fuck Your Brain. So. Um, but yeah. If you go. Uh, that's kind of. It's hard. It's, a lot of this is this. Um, and the technique that my, my therapist. That I was seeing for a while. I can't see a therapist now. Because my insurance is terrible. But you know. That's fine. I'm working through it. Uh, is. Step writing it down if you journal it i use my day planner to do this I, I, if you journal it it makes it real and you read the thing you thought you read the thought and then you prescribe it an emotion and the intensity uh, from one to ten and then you find one of these 17 things um and um doing that kind of re reduces the power of this thing because you look at it and you read what you've just thought and what you've just thought is absolutely absurd um, so yeah, um, that's how I deal with that. Discounting positives. You claim that, uh, the positive things that you or others do are trivial. That's what wives are supposed to do, so it doesn't count when she's nice to me. Or those successes were easy, so they don't matter. Um, I do this one a lot. Uh, I kind of assume that people aren't going to be nice to me and, and, and that sort of thing. And then I also, like... We'll just go out of my way for people and kind of just, you know, I, I don't expect anything from it. In a way, it's like, if it's not the extreme version of it, it's really nice to be, you know, in humbling. But it's also one of those things, oh, I just found my glasses, they're right in front of me. Um, but it is the thing of, you do matter. And the, your positive influence and your positive mark on the world is... Is a wonderful thing and and worth more than most things in your lifetime. Because you can't take it with you, but people will remember you well. That's nice. Negative filtering, number six. You focus almost exclusively on the negatives and seldom notice positives. Look at all the people who don't like me. That is a thought, I think. Um, which, uh, that specific one, I think, fuck them. Um, I, there are people who like me very, very well, and I focus on those people a lot of the time. And um, this so negative filtering is hard because the main way to combat it is once again stepping back and going, no, there are good things, and remembering a specific for me, remembering a specific moment where someone specifically, in the case that they give, you know, nobody likes you, a person that I'm unsure if they liked me or not. 
um, a specific moment that I remember them being kind to me. Like my mom, she uh, baked me a pie when I was kid. No, that was the joke was that my mom didn't like me. Of course, my mom likes me. Probably too much. Uh, thanks for listening, mom. Um, overgeneralizing number seven, you perceive a global pattern of negatives on the basis of a single incident. This generally happens to me. I seem to fail at a lot of things. Uh, this is, once again, this, these are all things I do to certain extents. And if they do too, you should probably, you know, call 1-800-ANXIOUS-MESS. Here at 1-800-ANXIOUS-MESS, we are devoted to clearing up your mind with our metaphorical dustpan and broom of cognitive behavioral therapy, a microphone, and you. Anyway, um, it's hard to get out of that, um, and that happens a lot when you're suffering from depression where you don't think you're worth it, and you just don't, you just think everything's bad, and, and, or, and, and what's kind of weird is on the opposite end, if you're hypomanic or manic or just a pleasant person, to um you think everyone's good and wonderful and lovely and it's just as dangerous that way because then you don't notice when people are being shitty to you like if um you're with a boyfriend or girlfriend or a non-binary friend if you're in a relationship with someone god this is getting so complicated um if you're in a relationship with someone and um and they you think, oh, they love me, therefore everything they do is good, and I've thought this, but they treat you poorly, you don't notice it, and it it does affect you in a negative way, you just kind of push it down, and that's hard to deal with it. The way to combat that is, I generally, talking to your therapist or, or an objective friend about what's going on, someone you trust, and go, am I, do, is my perception skewed? Um, number eight, dichotomous thinking. You view events or people in an all-or-nothing terms. I get rejected every by everyone, or it was a complete waste of time. That's, once again, giving up in despair, and I think kind of I've already covered that. Um, nine is shoulds. You interpret events in terms of how things should be, or rather than simply focusing on what is. Well, it, I should do well. If I don't, then I'm a failure. Um, this one's hard. Uh, Miles has been really great about I've kind of learned and my friend Tyler Ankenman who I interviewed for this has been really great watching them because they have this wonderful pragmatism about them of going this is what is and let's live with that in the moment here it should be better next time and we're trying to go further and be better obviously every day but like knowing knowing what is and dealing with the moment and that's how I deal with it is I go, well, what what's going around me? And you kind of just have to, you have to be very hyper aware to actually actively um, fight these things. And I know it's difficult and it takes a lot of training. That's the other thing is like, I can suggest these things and I know how to combat it for me personally because I've gone through two or three years of therapy and I've had very good therapists that have, when I sat down with them, I'm like, this, the anxiety is the worst part. I can deal with, being really empty and feeling bad about myself and being really hyper and like I have outlets for those but this anxiety is the thing that slowly is killing me and that I worry that will hurt me and um so that we've sat down and we've really every time really uh tried to focus on it 
um, but shoulds is, is a hard one because it's like future vision, what Garnet has in Steven Universe, it's really difficult because it is this thing of your mind is constantly trying to figure out what should be going on and just breathing, breathing helps with this, breathing and centering yourself, um, pardon me, there's that cold again. There's this um, exercise where you close your eyes and you name 10 things you hear, 10 things, and then you open them, You 10 things you see, 10 things you feel, and you go 9, 10, 11, no, 9, sorry, go to 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, it's the um, 10 cognitive behavioral commandments now. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, that's really good for this because it just puts you in the moment. Personalizing. You attribute disproportionate amount of blame to yourself and negative events and fail to see that certain events are also caused by others. The marriage ended because I failed. This is something I do a lot. A lot, a lot, a lot. Um, I tend to focus blame to me. I trend because I know I can deal with it that way. But if something is someone else's fault, I, I can't deal with that because then they're a shitty person or they're this or that and the other thing. And it's very difficult for me to deal with. Um, just being aware of other people in your life and taking factors into account and just taking a step back and taking a moment and trying to think clearly. A lot of this is redundant because it is just taking a moment, writing it down. So I'm just going to go. Uh, 11, blaming. You focus on the other person as the source of your negative feelings and you refuse to take responsibility for changing yourself she's to blame how i feel now or my parents caused all my problems um this is a very dangerous one i don't often do it no i don't often do it um sorry i was just thinking there um but it's super dangerous because this one is a cause of so much stagnation um particularly in young people they put blinders on and they're like oh well i don't have to deal with this i don't have to deal with me you have to deal with me and deal with it you know it's a very selfish way of being and the way to combat that is empathy and self-awareness and taking a step back and looking your, at yourself objectively and going am i a good person was this a good thing to do and that constant battle of if you just say, well, I am the way I am, then you're never going to progress. You're always going to be that way. And that there you will stay. There you will rot. There you will drown in self-pity and narcissism. And if it's not clear, I don't like this thing. Um, number 12, unfair comparisons. You interpret events in terms of standards that are unrealistic. For example, you focus primarily on others who do better than you and find yourself inferior in comparison. She's more successful than I am, or... Others did better than I did on the test. Basically, don't compare yourself to other people. Everyone has their own journey. Everyone has their own path. Uh, find what you're good at. Find within work at. Find what you're good at. That's your primary. Everything else is tertiary, and work on it separately. Um, it's not. It's not your fault. It's not your fault that you're different and the other thing is what's wonderful is people will look at you and they'll say similar things they'll go well he's more successful than I am or that he does this better or she does that better than me um, she's a really she knits she knows how to knit I don't know how to knit that's wonderful and then 
someone will look at you and go, oh, he, can, he can do an Irish accent. I can't do that. That's great. And everyone has something to contribute to this world. And that breadth of humanity is what makes life really wonderful. And that's great. And focus on that. Because everyone is different. Which is the same way of saying everyone's the same. But focus... Think of this. Think that there's at least two people that have looked at your life and gone, Wow, I want that. That's amazing. Um, Thirteen. Regret orientation. You focus on the idea that you could have done better in the past or rather on what you can do better now i could have had a better job if i tried or i shouldn't have. basically it's regret and and regretting stupid because you only live once unless you're a buddhist and even then it's the jury's out on that and it is you know just keep moving forward that's all you can do literally that's all you can do um try and make amends obviously if you've actually genuinely hurted hurted Every genuinely hurt someone, but make that part of moving forward by being a better person, by being a more grown-up person. Um, 14 is what if, which is the magic if. You keep asking a series of questions about what if something happens, and you fail to be satisfied with any of the answers. Yeah, but what if I get anxious, or, or what, why, what if I can't catch my breath? And that's... That's just, once again, future vision, and you have to just take a few breaths, step back, go, okay, none of that is happening. I have a very vivid imagination, and that's a gift. But focus it on something better, and often I think writing helps or drawing helps, because it gets those fears out. Um, Fifteen is uh, uh, emotional reasoning. Uh, you let your feelings guide your interpretation of reality. I feel depressed. Therefore, my marriage is not working out. This, this is one I do a lot. It's basically, it's solving, it's deductive reasoning. Or inductive, rather. Of here's the source and going back. I, I do this a lot of like, um, I feel this, specifically with the mood disorder, it's really, this occurs quite a lot. Of like, for example, I'll be in a hypomanic episode or like, in a mixed episode where I'm feeling really, really up for no reason, and I'll go, well, I'm in love. Or I'll go, oh, I must be very productive today. Or I'll, like, arbitrarily prescribe something. Or I'll feel down and be like, oh, it must have been this that triggered it. When it's just kind of random. Because, um, as Stephen Fry uh, said, uh, moods are like, are like the weather. They shift and they, you know, they come and go. And you just gotta keep moving forward and remembering that, like, not everything has a trigger. Sometimes things just happen. And, yeah, just kind of move on with it. And if you, like, once again, if you step back and you recognize all these things, and you, you should Google this list if you're interested in it. Um, definitely, definitely, definitely. I keep one in my pocket all the time because if you can stop and then identify what you're thinking and what the problem is, you can fix it. Or you can at least know that it's a problem there and you need to move forward with that. Six, inability to disconfirm. You reject any evidence or arguments that you might might contradict your negative thoughts. For example, when you have the thought, 
I'm unlovable. You reject it as irrelevant. Sorry, you reject as irrelevant any evidence that people like you. Consequently, your thought cannot be refuted. It's not a real issue. There are deeper problems. There are other factors. This is something I do a lot as well. It's devaluing your own opinion. Once again, know you're a good person. Know that you know what's going on with your life, man. Just, you're fine. You're good. Don't, just be nice to yourself, please, people. Just be nice. I'm just trying to help. Okay, last one, 17. Judgment focus. You view yourself, others, and events in terms of evaluations as good, bad, superior, inferior, rather than simply describing, accepting, or understanding. You are continually measuring yourself and others according to arbitrary standards and finding that you and others fall short. You are focused on judgments of others as well as your own judgments of yourself. I didn't perform well in college. Or, if I take up tennis, I won't do well. Or, look how successful she is. I'm not successful. Basically, it's all or nothing, black and white, fight or flight. No. Um, and that's... Nothing in life is black and white. Um, the one thing I really do love about Inside Out... Um, it was a very predictable movie for me, and I got very angry at the beginning of it because the lesson wasn't learned. The lesson that they learned by the end of the movie, which is um, the thing that I like about it, um, the fact that she didn't know it angered, at the beginning of the movie angered me because that's, it's so, so prevalent in life. And it is the thing that, like, there are happy moments that are tainted with sadness and sad moments that are tainted with happiness and, and, and vice versa and, like, and, and all, all kinds of emotions. You can be angry and happy at the same time. I love being angry, happy. When someone says a joke that I didn't think of that makes me laugh so hard and I just, I love them so much and I hate them. I'm jealous and I'm angry with them but they're so funny and wonderful and I love them. I, that's one of my favorites. And so you have to take into account that life isn't, life is like a box of chocolates never know what you're gonna get including all sorts of grays it's not black and it's not white it's not blue and it's not red it's purple and it's gray and and 90 percent of the time things are not straightforward i would say 99 percent of the time there's that one percent where it's like don't do this and that is what this year don't vote for donald trump that's the one clear thing we have going on in life as americans but anyway um so take that into account when you're formulating your opinions on yourself and other people. Everyone falls short. Everyone has three things that contradict the rest of their personality. And this kind of moves back to acting. Uh, there's this idea that actors say, which is stupid, which is, oh, my character wouldn't do that. You have no idea. Because people do things out of character all the time. I know I have. I know many people that have. Everyone has three things that don't make sense. Miles hates the ocean, thinks it's scary, wants to learn how to surf. The fuck? It's that sort of thing. So, I hope this has been somewhat helpful. Um, Google this thing, Categories of Distorted Automatic Thoughts, A Guide for Patients. Um, it's really good. It's really helpful. I hope it's helped you. Um, 
once again, Patreon's there. Go to iTunes, rate, and subscribe. It really does help, actually. Um, I'm trying to get sponsored eventually. So what good is it? What's what good is it being on the bench? I mean, um, but yeah, um, go be less anxious, be calm, uh, swallow the little book of calm, little book of calm, and perhaps try eating a pear or try new food. Maybe light some lilac on fire in your house, but do so carefully and in a safe space. Um, thank you for listening, if you made it this far. I really do think that this is important. Because so much of your life isn't in your control, so the things that are in your control, you have to own up. And please, do it in a positive way. Never, never get angry at yourself for thinking these things. Look at them, acknowledge them. Say, that's weird, that's not okay, I'm gonna work on them. Shush yourself, maybe, like I do, and Chris Evans does. He's Captain America, you know. Do that, and just, please, take care of yourself. Buy yourself a pint of ice cream every now and again. Look at your life, and, because I know, when I'm worried and I can't sleep, I count my blessings instead of sheep. Um, but really do. Every day is a gift. Every day above ground. I know it's like super like almost alcoholics anonymous level of gratitude to be alive. Because a grateful alcoholic is a sober alcoholic. Always remember that. But uh, enjoy life. Suck the marrow out of those bones. My dudes. And We'll catch you next time here on what's this program called again? Positive and negative. Positive and negative. That's right, baby. Wolfman Jack. I do this impression because I think my dad likes it.